Lioness Podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon. I am coming at you with another introduction for today's show. Oh, you guys, my palms are a little sweaty. My heart's pounding a little bit. This show is edgy. I'll just say it. For, for me, you know, and for my community and for what I've put out there so far, this show is definitely, I'm going to say, pushing some boundaries. And today's guest is the great Julieta Chiara. And I'm so, so, so grateful to have someone like Julieta on this show to help us push these boundaries because for Julieta, this is just like her normal day-to-day life. And... That's what I want to bring more of into this world, you know, bringing more of the taboo into our day-to-day life to make it normal. You know, being being just being gay used to be the ultimate taboo, you know, don't ask, don't tell. We don't want to know about that. And so for me, I feel like as a queer person, I have this responsibility to keep on pushing those boundaries and to keep on uncovering the things that want to stay covered and to just be brave enough to have the uncomfortable, difficult, risque, scandalous conversations. I mean, you guys, the the life Julietta lives, I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And the fact that, you know, I get to call her my friend um, is, is really, really an honor. So I'm laughing because as I am editing this, I get a little notification that I have a package in our little package thing outside. And it's a gift from Julieta and Luxury Toy X to Glass Dildos. <laughs> and I just love it. So, you know, they, they are showering me with gifts. And so I just wanted to give them a shout out. If you want to go learn about sex toys or just go explore what's out there, check out Julieta's website. I will link that here as well. It is an incredible website. I already said that on the show once, but, and she, it works with lots of other brands that you can explore and, um, it's just fun. It's cool that she has this website that's like, honey, come here. Come on. Come in. It's warm in here. We're nice in here. I'm like your big sister just telling you about the world. It's it's an amazing website. So go and check that out. And the other thing that I loved about this episode as I was listening back is just as a guest, Julieta had such amazing questions for me. Like, oh my gosh, where does Tantra fit in the queer space? Wow, have I been waiting for someone to ask me that question, you know? And just, I really, really appreciate her for um, just, I feel like this conversation felt very, very inclusive. And I really, really hope that everyone who listens feels that way. Like they're in on the story. They're in on the joke, whatever it is, you know, like they're being seen, they're being heard because we are two women, queer women who love you very much and want your freedom and your liberation. And we want to help you access your pleasure. And, you know, Julieta may not consider herself to be a spiritual worker, but like I see her work differently, you know, and we get into a little bit of why I feel that way in this episode. So I think that The most important thing that I could say before I start rolling on this episode is that (laughs) I don't believe in trigger warnings, but here is one. 
And I think that I've said this on episodes before where I've talked about like eating disorders and self-harm. I, I don't believe in trigger warnings because we live in a society where we are never warned about our triggers, ever. And we need to learn to handle ourselves and hold ourselves when those warnings or when those triggers that don't have warnings come up. Um, I went to an extremely, extremely liberal college where there it was called a safe space. And so you always had to TW everything. And there were just generalized topics that were just you couldn't, you couldn't, like, Julie, I don't think that Julieta and I could have had this conversation in a liberal college setting because it would just be like, TW, TW, TW. And so I really, like, my heart really, really wants to soften and open to anyone who may be triggered just by some of the words that we use in this episode. And so I want to be very upfront. As I listen back, I think that a part that may just trigger anyone a little bit that I'd like to warn you about that... You know, in the conversation, we're like, why do we use that word? So I'm going to let you know what it is now. <laughs> As I've already said the trigger warning that I don't believe in. We use the word rape fantasy in this episode a couple of times. And Julieta keeps trying to say non-consensual consent <laughs> is actually what it is. We should stop using the word rape to describe a, a fantasy of non-consensual consent. And so as we get into that conversation, I could kind of feel the energetics of it and wonder if it may make someone listening feel really, really so uncomfortable that maybe they can't even hear the simplicity of what we're trying to share, which is really that women deserve to feel empowered after, you know, the entire earth's history of women feeling disempowered. And for many women, this is a way for them to access that through the through the kink community. And this this show is about empowerment and that your fantasies are valid. And I love how Julieta said that probably so many times during the show. Your desires are valid. Your fantasies are valid. The way you want to explore your sexuality is valid. And I have needed to hear that throughout my life every day. And I haven't. So I really appreciate how often she said that in the show because we need to be reminded of that. There should be no shame around this subject. And I just want you to go into it with an open mind, an open heart. <laughs> and we'll see. You know, you guys, this feels edgy to me. I even shared a lot about myself. I think to me the most vulnerable part is when I shared about the, the past lives that I've seen of myself in the Akashic Records as a man as a patriarchal man who wasn't doing good things. So yeah, I we were both very open in this and I'm really, really grateful that we can have a conversation like this and that we can have a platform and that we can put it out there. And I would love to know what you guys think about it. I would love to know what you think about it. Please reach out to me. Even if you are triggered, let me know. I would love to hear it. If you were inspired, if you felt relieved, if you felt like you were seen, we have another bisexual that does exist here on this show today, and I was excited to give her the space to acknowledge her. <laughs> and the last thing that I want to say is that um, we started talking about my quantum Reiki self-healing sessions, and I have been feeling the call to put together a workshop 
to hold a group space for healing because it's just the best fucking thing ever. So I am just putting it out there right now. I'm going to hold a quantum Reiki self-healing session probably at the end of March. If that's something that you'd be interested in or you have any questions about it, please reach out to me. I um, will put some polls on my story to give you some more information, how to buy a ticket, what time, and even what a quantum Reiki self-healing session actually is. But it's pretty much my signature uh, self-healing practice. It's a really, really beautiful workshop. And when we do it in a group setting, everyone gets to be really, really held in a space together. We work through all the chakras. We open the portals. We activate the toroidal field. Um, it's just a really beautiful practice and it will be free for all of my sanctuary and sunrise babes. So just wanted to put that out there. Send me a message if it's something that you'd like to come to and I will send you the link to sign up whenever that date is set. Okay, let's all just take a big deep breath in together. And I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Lioness Podcast with me, your host, Jane Lyon. I'm so excited. I feel like I, I, I almost didn't want to start recording because I wanted my guest all to myself and just wanted to keep talking to her about my life. <laughs> but today I have someone on so cool and um, her name is Julietta. And the way that I always start my show with a guest is I try to describe the way that I see who you are. And then I let you tell us how you really want to be seen. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> so do it. when I think of Julietta, like, first of all, just one of the most badass young women that I have gotten to connect with, which is really, really cool, especially because we're from the same city, which I just think is inspiring. Anyone who gets out of SLC is inspiring. But more than that, like you have made, a, when I see you, it's like you have made an incredible career for yourself as a sex toy blogger. And basically, uh, I would call you like an influencer for, you know, kink, pleasure, play, freedom, exploration, travel, all of You're just, you're so cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll just stop there. Like, I just think you're so dope. So, and you've also influenced my work in being a little bit more open. You've given me some little challenges that have been really fun to take on. So, Julietta, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself to us. Thank you for having me. And no, I think that's a wonderful description. And I'm so grateful that, that you would say those kind words. But yeah, I, uh, my name is Julietta. I am a local SLC babe as well. I was like, <laughs> all, all us Utah gals, we are all together, which I think it, I think being from Utah makes it even more shocking knowing what I do. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So people are like, what are you? And yeah, I started off as a sex blogger and then I was really hesitant to move towards the title of influencer because mm -hmm. I think in many instances, the word influencer is a little cringy, but, totally. but when it comes to what I do and my subject matter, I thought to myself, especially in the realm of mostly talking to people in Utah to start with. I was like, if there's going to be any influencer that's going to teach you how to harness your body and be comfortable with 
not only your sex but like your life as an independent woman doing whatever the fuck you want honestly mm-hmm. I, I I hope to be that person and if that means mm-hmm. calling me an influencer then then sure I'll take it I'll take it on I'll take on <laughs> I was like, I'm teaching you how to yes. have orgasms. I'm not trying to sell you like weird skin cream that changes every single exactly. week. Exactly. And that's, I think what the difference, you know, my, I have little sisters and they were telling me that like their friends saw my Instagram and they're like, what is your sister's job? And my little sisters just say, she's a yoga influencer. And I was just like, I, I technically no, but like technically yes, because I am influencing people to learn about yoga. I'm not necessarily like trying to sell it to them. And, and so I really, I love that we could even just have that exploration because I think influencing people is an amazing skill to have and a great career to run in. And I think someone like you should be influencing us. See, we're both influencing people. And I think it's because we are, we are taking it from the very root of what it was supposed to be, right? Mm, yeah. Influencing was about educating and inspiring people and maybe not even inspiring but just like showing your way and then showing people that those are options that they can have in their life Mm -hmm. and so that's really the approach that I've taken is what what you decide to do with your life and your body is your choice but I hope that my experiences can be a reflection of what is possible for you um so it's never from a place of you should do this you should do that because I do not believe in shoulds Mm -hmm. um I feel like that's a very pushy word but instead it's, here's what's, here's what I'm doing. And I'm sure this is relatable to you on some way, shape or form. Mm. And if that pushes you to go out, get a sex toy, try something new, date someone new, get into kink, whatever it is, go on a trip mm-hmm. by yourself, like do, <laughs> do whatever it needs to be. Then, then yeah, I guess, I guess we're influencers. Mm, I love it. Oh my gosh. I'm just so excited to open up this box of conversation today. My first question that comes up is, I'm so you started your blog while you were still living in Salt Lake. I, yes, complicated story. <laughs> yeah, how was that received? I'm curious. It's so it was really odd. So I was going to school for for sexual psychology. I was going to school mm. to be a sex therapist, cool. and I kind of I think I always knew that sex was in my field because. I felt like the Dr. Ruth, like the Dr. Ruth of my high school. Cause I started having sex when I was 14. I was really young and oh. I came from an Argentinian atheist family. Like I did not have any ounce of religious trauma, family trauma when it came around sex and my body. Like I had sex and the next day I told my mom and she said, super, and took me to Planned Parenthood <laughs> birth control. Uh, yeah, she the, the typical Latina mom thing. She's like, oh, she's cool. like, I'm not get pregnant, but whatever. So, <laughs> Planned Parenthood, she got me Plan B because she, even though I used a condom and everything, Latina mom's suspicious. So mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, no. So you're gonna take this pill, and then you're gonna start taking that one, and wow. and that that was really like the root of my sexual awakening. It's I didn't have any trauma attached to it, and so when people started coming to me for advice. And I guess general support. Mm-hmm. That's that's when I knew I was like, I'm I don't want to say I'm good at sex. I'm good at talking about sex. Mm-hmm. I'm good at holding space for people. I'm good at helping people feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I think sex therapy is is gonna be my jam. But as I started going to school, I was like, I want to kind of have an outlet for this. And I started a blog, but this was when I was living in Tucson, Arizona as a military mm-hmm. wife. 
Whoa. So there's a military life chapter of Julieta's life. Yeah. I was a military wife for almost two years with my partner that I met in Salt Lake City. And anyone who's been married in the military knows that most of the time you're getting married for convenience because Mm -hmm. when you're married in the military, they support you. You get a lot of benefits, all that jazz. I have no complaints. I also have zero student debt. So I'm not, thank you, military. (laughs) Um, But I was a bored military housewife doing my school. And I just remember looking at my husband and saying, I think I kind of want to start a blog. I had already started teeter-tottering some of these subjects on Instagram and they were well-received. And when I started it, having a strictly Utah audience at the time, it was received so well. Mm -hmm. It's not that everybody like came out of their house and started shouting all these sexual things because people are very private. And that's why marketing in the sex industry is really interesting because people Mm -hmm. are very engaged, but they don't show it. But the people that came out of the woodworks, these are people I have known since infancy, my own, like other parts of my family, cousins I had in Utah, people who were actually mean to me in high school came out of the woodworks to thank me for the work I did. And that's when I noticed, I was like, I'm talking about really trivial subjects, really trivial stuff as in like masturbating, communication, things that are very normal, but Mm -hmm. this is groundbreaking for some people. Wow. which is what why it showed me that this is the work that's needed mm-hmm. oh, I love it's, that and it's know. so needed because you know and I have this I sometimes I'm always like hard on myself but it's like I have my own journey but as I feel like I am a very sexually free person and at the same time I feel like I am up against being raised Catholic in a Mormon community going to public school, which is basically Mormon school in Salt Lake city and not coming out until I was 22. And obviously like I am very free, but I feel like I'm constantly working through how oppressed I felt. And I can't even imagine how much deeper that must go for other people, you know, even straight girls. Like, I don't think that my oppression is even different than the other girls I grew up with, you know? No. And oh, it's brutal. You had, you had religion, Utah and being gay at the same time. (laughs) You're like, there's, there really, there could not have been a trifecta that, that was more, I guess, oppressive, but Mm. you're in a space where you've had that openness. And I think that there's people, and maybe even people listening to this podcast that Mm -hmm. they're never going to have the support systems that we have now. Yeah. Because it's like you're living a beautiful life with your girlfriend. You feel very sexually free and you're conscious of what you're working through, Mm -hmm. which I I think that's the really big um, deciding factor in a lot of the experiences we have is how conscious are we of of the old thoughts and patterns that that are affecting us. And a lot of people won't be, won't be. So it's it's interesting seeing people start to snap out of that loop. Mm -hmm. And when they read something, maybe some of the content I'm sure you have that with with yoga as well that Mm -hmm. people start having these realizations and yoga sex it's all a spiritual awakening and when it starts happening it's actually it's safe to say it kind of it's a little terrifying Mm -hmm. because it undoes everything you thought you knew (laughs) 
Yes. And my, and this leads me right to my next question because my spiritual awakening literally was like with my coming out with my sexual awakening, like two, we, I officially converted to Buddhism, had this whole ceremony. And literally like two weeks later, I was like, Hey everyone, I know I just told you I converted to Buddhism. I'm also gay more on the way like, <laughs> updates to come. <laughs> and it was just this moment of my life where it was just like everything I thought I knew was shattered. And every, like, it was like every day I was like, nothing I know is real anymore. Like everything was shaped, just shook for me. And I just, all I had was myself and my spiritual path and my Buddhism and my trust that like, there's so much more out there for me. And I just had to go forge out on my own and find that. And now I am in a place where I have that support that you talk about. I have that freedom. And, and um, I, I am excited to talk to you about your new kink course. And the, the question that I've been thinking about asking you is, you know, I feel like when I think about kink, I think it's kind of inherently queer. And, and then I think like, maybe one day we will transcend all of these kind of labels around these queer, kinky, taboo types of things. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on that idea. Exactly, because I I think that when people when people declare they're kinky, it's almost like a coming out. It, mm -hmm. it feels yeah, like totally. Because when I when I started noticing I was kinky, I think I noticed I came out as kinky before I came out as bisexual. <laughs> And so I had the, these like two coming outs, nothing, again, nothing too groundbreaking because my family was so open. When I told my mom, I was like, I think I like girls. She's like, okay, like, what do you want for dinner? Like, awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, oh, I love your was, family. They're amazing. It was almost like trivial. She's like, she's like, why are you telling me this? Like, I already knew like, you're just, you're like gay as hell. I was like, okay, thank you. Um, but I was like, well, that went well. Uh, <laughs> But for me, the kinky one, the kinky awakening was interesting. So kink and by definition just means sexual acts outside of the normal. And mm. I was, as I was telling you before this call, it's interesting because what do we define as normal? What's yeah. normal for me is obscene to others. And what's normal for us is like boring to me. Mm -hmm. So, so what you consider normal is essentially what I'm saying is like, the the position missionary could be really boring to me and it could be really kinky to someone else mm -hmm. so we can't really put a label on that and like fuck when yeah. I started noticing I was kinky it came in the forms of subtle dominance and submission mm -hmm. and the dominance and submission is usually what the the key I guess uh pillar of of kink would be it's an energy exchange. Mm -hmm. So a lot like we talk about in Tantra, talk about the masculine, the feminine, the exchange of energy, the harmony of energy. Kink is the exact same thing, just like slightly more exciting in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like a lot less heavy breathing, a lot more like sensory activation. Mm, yeah. <laughs> two together. We'll get into that. You can do the two together, which is great. But my first kink experience, I'd be curious to hear about yours because we've all had a kinky experience <laughs> in our heads, right? We can define something. Mm. Mine was my boyfriend. He pulled my hair when I was mm. in doggy style and I mm -hmm. had a rush of emotions. This is where the coming out, the coming out happened when I was butt naked. I was like, oh no, what is happening? 
he pulled my hair and at first I had I had three thoughts I was like one where the fuck did this guy learn this from I'm like 16 <laughs> I'm 16 years old so I was like I was oh like, my where, god did, where did he learn this from and obviously like I think we all learn some of these things from porn so that was my first thought then I was like why the fuck does that feel so good interesting and then three, why do I like this? I'm not supposed to like someone pulling my hair. That's mm-hmm. in general, someone pulling your hair or quote unquote hurting you mm-hmm. should be degrading, should be like banned, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, butt naked having sex. I had this realization that I, I am I am kinky. There is something here and I don't understand it. But now as a, as a full-blown adult, kind of still a child in some, some ways, I realized that was one of the first spots where I felt the surrender of the feminine. Like mm. in her, it's like I had my my partner asserted dominance and was super masculine. And in him doing that, I fully surrendered. It was like when you push an off button mm-hmm. and all like my stress, my anxiety uh, you know when you feel kind of like lost in sex, like you're not present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I was I was in. And mm-hmm. I just felt like a freaking goddess, but I was getting my hair pulled. So it was very conflicting to what society wow. has done. Yeah. And I surrendered into it and I just became a puddle. And I was like, mm. this is going to be in my life for a long time, isn't it? Isn't- <laughs> You're like, this is cool. Yeah. And, you know, I think what it is, is like, it's so much about the sensation, you know? It was the sensation that pulled you into your body and pulled you into this receptive mode. And it really is like the dance of the feminine and masculine through a more like dominating submission. And of course, the language that comes to me is like top and bottom. And yeah. it's funny because you, you know, you're like, I'm sure, you know, the first time that you discovered, you know, that you're kinky. And I'm like, well, man, that's really messing with my head because if, you know, I've, I've seen in so many things that like, even just being gay is kinky. Yeah. But if you're like in a lesbian relationship, I don't think that all lesbian sex is kinky at all, you know? Like, so then I'm like, at what point do we decide that it's kinky, <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of funny how my brain's like, was it the first time I got spanked or was it the first time I used a strap on, you know? Like at which part was I like, this is kinky, you know? No, it, it's a hard one. It's a hard one to decipher. So for anyone yeah. listening, if you're, if you're kind of in the same boat, because it is, it is opening a can of worms. You're like, have I done anything kinky? What <laughs> do I consider kinky? Yeah. Um, I think the, the kinky awakening should be anything that you've done where it literally awakened a feeling, a state mm. of mind, a, like a nervous system reaction mm. where all of a sudden you either felt very dominant or very submissive. Mm-hmm. And with dominance and submission within king, you can also be a switch. And a switch mm-hmm. means that you you can embody both. Mm-hmm. It means that depending on the time, the place, the person, you can either be dominant or you can be submissive. I have found in my in- experience, I'm unfortunately an insufferable submissive. Uh, <laughs> no way. Yeah, that is so I, interesting. I've tried being dominant. It was not for me. I found it to be hilarious, which is not not the like headspace you want to be in when you're trying to give someone an experience oh yeah but it's it was interesting because this is where I told you that kink became the wake part of the awakening was realizing how contradicting kinky sex was for me 
because the big contradiction in in a lot of kink is how come we are sexually enjoying certain acts that would be considered really degrading if you told them to someone mm-hmm. and so for yeah. me being like oh th- if you think about you know I'm someone that fights for women's rights women's empowerment women being on top like owning your own business supporting yourself like being your own sugar daddy I like I'm very into these things mm-hmm. yet how come sexually I like to be completely dominated by someone and being submissive to someone and even being like I I do have like a slight degradation kink I love Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and I think what I found is that's my release it's that's Mm -hmm. the taboo part of it that Mm -hmm. you sexualize and you find the release like yeah I am a dominant ass bitch in all aspects of my life and in kink I'm able to surrender and like drop this uh I don't want to say like this curtain I'm able Mm -hmm. to drop and just be present and be seen and be able to receive versus Mm -hmm. always having to take care of everyone and everything. Yes. Oh my gosh. It really is like such an act of just dropping into your feminine and the way that you describe it, just, it feels like luxurious. It feels like opulence that you just like, it's the best thing that you can give to yourself to release from how hard you work and, and, you know, the energy that you show up in every day. And It's interesting because I would consider myself a switch who is a huge pillow princess, but like once in a new moon, this like masculine energy comes over me and it's actually a little bit frightening, which is why I don't engage with that side of myself as often. Uh Is that like feeling that like animalistic drive to just like dominate another being, like objectify another being, Uh it I get to this point where I'm literally like, I'm, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. This is like freaking me out a little bit. And, and, and it's one of those areas where like, I I love when I get there, but then, and then, and then it's like, whoa, that's a, I feel like, um, I was talking to my Akashic records friends about this. I have a lot of history in my records of being, a military captain, of being a rapist, of being a patriarchal man, of being a slave owner. Like it's, it's almost like vulnerable of me to share that on this show, but like, it's true. I have this in my records. I have these memories of being a, a, a patriarchal man, that force on, on our planet. And when I first learned that in, in some readings I was getting, I was like, no, no, no. Like none of that's true. And then I stepped into these more dominating roles and I started to see all of that, like spiritually, the memories coming up of these aspects of ourselves that want to be machismo, that want to be dominating, that want to like have this energy. And so, yeah, I thought I would just share with you. No, thank you for sharing. That's, yeah. that's really cool because I, I think that people are afraid to embark on kink because they're afraid to embody those things. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it's like, we are carrying energies and things that are not necessarily even from this lifetime, Mm -hmm. but we still have, you know, it's like light switches inside of ourselves and we do embody those. And the thing about kink is you get to embody those energies and reenact any of these things in a consensual safe Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. yeah because that that's the thing with a lot a lot of kink depending on the kink can be psychological it can be physical it can be Mm -hmm. whatever you want it to be Um, but an example for myself is 
like I love getting spanked. I love getting tied up. I'm very physical. Some of it may be considered painful. I like being degraded. And then I also like a form of kink that's called consensual non-consent, which is I am consenting to you fully dominating me in a, in a way that's basically like you completely taking over my body. It's, it's what, what someone would call a rape fantasy. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the top kinks for women, believe it or not. Wow. It's, it's above all else. But when it's done under the grounds of consent, you get to reenact, embody, and live these experiences that like it's super taboo, right? Mm-hmm. That little part of you that kind of wants to either explore the feeling or see what it's like to be fully dominated or be dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your case, you want to explore what it's like to do that, but you're also a good person. So you're like, I don't actually, <laughs> I don't actually want to hurt someone. I don't actually want to violate someone. I don't actually want to do these things that are terrible. And like you said, mm-hmm. you've had this in like the Akashic past, but if you had the arena to where you could assert that dominance in a consensual way, does mm-hmm. that change your perspective of how you feel about your energy? Mm. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, you know, and it always is in that like safe container and, and it's, it's interesting. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many, there's so many thoughts that just came up around what you said, because I mean, okay. Yeah. The first thing I want to ask you is like, why is rape fantasy at, like you said, number one, what it like, can you explain like the psychology behind that or something? Yeah, so the psychology around consensual non-consent or the rape fantasy, it's very, it's complex. It's complex. And I think that it has different meanings for different people. Like, for example, I think one of the number one reasons why that's a fantasy for, for a lot of women is because it is the ultimate fantasy of being completely ravaged. Mm. And if you think about it, if you have a, a rape fantasy that you want to enact with someone it's automatically not rape because it's you're tangible (laughs) yeah it's like why do you even use that word exactly it's super contradicting but you Mm -hmm. already have a partner in mind and you want to tell this partner i am giving you full access to my body for you to do whatever you want i want you to basically christopher columbus my body and and this is where i'm going to get satisfaction so it's like the full um ravage and rapture and I think it's the deepest form of surrender is handing off complete trust to someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So I, I think it's really, for, for me, especially it's, I'm handing off complete trust in you that mm-hmm. not only do you get to like satisfy yourself and take what you want, but you know how to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very like special thing, even though it's framed in like a horrible, horrible way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. And the other one, which I think is the most fascinating about a lot of kink and it doesn't have to be with the rape fantasy. It can be taking your power back after trauma. So Mm. kink has been really healing for people that have been victims of sexual abuse, of rape, of violence, because Mm -hmm. you get to reenact those things that you went through, but you're the one who's in charge. Mm -hmm. You're in charge of what happens to you. What's happening to you, you get to act, you're saying like, I consent to this happening to me. So Mm -hmm. you get to go back in time and in a place where someone took away your power, you regained it. Wow. It's absolutely, it's a stunning way of 
because I feel like a lot of our trauma, we need to move it through our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, you sit, you do talk therapy and stuff like that. There's a different experience to where you get to move that trauma in a beautiful, mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. with someone and take your power back. Yes. Because that's what we were in those situations of abuse. That's what we were robbed of. We were robbed mm-hmm. of our, our power and our authority. Mm-hmm. And if you're submissive, you're the one with the power, not the, the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The is the one with the power. The top is not mm-hmm. the one with the ultimate power. You yeah. What happens to you. Yeah. And as a woman, I think that's in the, how many times as women have we've ta- gotten our power taken away from us? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you for elaborating on all of that. This is just, I hope that some, I feel like some people listening are just like, what this is. It's interesting just how taboo this whole conversation feels and how simple it is to have this conversation with you. Like it's, and I just wish that more people in the world could have this simple conversation in the way that you do. So thank you. Thank you. And I, I love talking about it because as taboo as it is, as much as it doesn't make sense and as much as it's frowned upon, statistically, these are the number one things people think about. Yeah, right. so if I've thought about it, you've thought about it, everyone's mm-hmm. thought about it. And we get to dissect the deliciousness that is human psychology, which makes mm. no sense. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And, um, on a on a different note, this is super random, but I don't know if you saw that I have an episode called Bisexuals, They Do Exist. I just want to acknowledge you <laughs> for the sake of this show. Um, I don't know. That's, you know, it, I, it might be a little bit earlier, not that I have that many episodes, but um, I have just felt like in the community, in the queer community, bisexuals are just constantly like, overlooked ignored you're not real you don't exist you're you're just on the path to something else you're like you know and I am not bisexual and I just feel like I want to like shout out support to all my sisters that are that are just like I'm real I exist I'm sorry if my power intimidates you you know (laughs) thank you so so much yeah bi erasure is really frustrating it's super mm-hmm. frustrating because that I had that conversation last night as well mm, that really. being bisexual is so weird because it's the only queer space where you're not getting support from straight people and you're also not getting support from queer people no seriously and it's you know it's something that I I guess I want to speak on because I'm so in the lesbian community and there's so much uh, like just like yucky energy around like girls who also like to sleep with non-women <laughs> and I think that if we all want freedom I mean everybody knows this is what I think if we all want freedom why don't we all give each other more freedom and stop telling each other that like pick a side girl one or the other like when are you going to make up your mind it's like we all just want more freedom and let's stop holding each other back right and the thing is sexuality is so fluid mm-hmm. it's you I I don't know like I have weeks I'm like I am I am gayer today than I was yesterday like my sexuality is always fluctuating and yeah I I think being bisexual has given me that that power to just see 
and have a lot of more grace with myself because yeah. when I first realized I was bisexual I thought it was like a 50 50 thing that oh I need I equally like women as much as I like men and then I realized yeah. with the ebbs and flow of my life that that would that would change mm. it would go up it would go down and I've, I've actually struggled quite a bit I have a, a few blogs on how I've struggled to actually form relationships with women because of this because wow. it's felt I've always been with men and then when I've tried to insert myself into maybe like more queer friendly spaces, especially mm-hmm. the lesbian community, it's always felt like a slap in the face. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry to hear that. They don't like me. <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> my, my, my very quick response is like, I don't like them, you know? And I, I am, I do not want to be the person that's like shit talking my own LGBT community, but I want to be the person that's acknowledging where we're very flawed and where we're not as progressive as we think we are and where we need to really take a good look at ourselves and the way that we're actually supporting the idea of our community growing and expanding and creating more freedom for people, you know? Because at the end of the day, I, I told you this too, it's, I think we're all a little gay. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think we all are. There was a study that I, I need to find it and hopefully I can give it to you to link. But when I was in school to be a sex therapist, they did a study to see basically people's like flexibility with sexuality. Mm-hmm. And they did this by taking brain scans as someone watched porn. So it'd be watching straight porn, lesbian porn, gay porn, any porn you can think of. And <laughs> of the people got turned on watching queer porn. Wow. There was like 1% of society that was 100% heterosexual. Wow. Which was insane to me. But it did show that the majority of women were a lot more flexible. Mm -hmm. So if uh, people who identify as women are a lot more flexible with their sexuality, Mm -hmm. which I, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. because it's like we get to literally flow and and be whatever we want to be do what it, whatever we want to be because if it feels right then mm-hmm. you should do it mm-hmm. it goes with anything in life if it's not a fuck yes it's a fuck no exactly and I think this is where this idea of like kink being anything that isn't normal and queer being anything that isn't straight it's like everything is kink everything is queer can we get to this place where we're like all so free that like Julieta doesn't have to get like sussed out of this circle because she goes both ways. It's just like, I'm so over that story. And I wish we could all just evolve a little bit, a little bit further to re- like, it's freedom we're looking for, you know, spiritual, sexual, societal freedom. And so if we're constantly cutting people down for wanting to identify in whatever way they do, it's just, we're not getting anywhere. No. I uh I recently went I traveled to London to go to a sex party um cool I, I got invited <laughs> I got invited to go to a sex party by a friend I was like why not I have time uh it was called what was it called torture garden and oh. it's it's a fetish themed party and it's fully fetish like you they won't let you in the door if you're not wearing fetish gear so that's usually leather lingerie uh, PVC latex it's really sounds really intense right and I haven't been to 
a sex party in years, let alone a, a really kinky one. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just over the moon. I felt like a kindergartner that's ready to go into their first day of class. Oh like, my God. I was nervous. I had tingles from like head to vagina, right? I'm, I'm dying inside. And cause that's, that's the thing. It's, I was like, oh, that's, I had thoughts. I had some of the thoughts that you had with your, like the strap on or the spanking. I was like, I'm kinky, but how kinky? And is my kinky actually kinky compared to what I'm about to see tonight? Yeah. I had all those thoughts running through my head. And when I went, I ended up having the most free, beautiful mm. experience. Cause within this kinky space where everybody is sexually free and the consent is like number one and everybody's free to just be whoever they need to be. Mm. It was the most beautiful, loving, healing space mm. of all time. I would compare it to the healing space of like a woman's circle or anything yes. else that we're all getting tied up and having sex wherever we decide to have sex. <laughs> wow. It felt so free. You had all genders, all sexualities, mm-hmm. all kinks. You were allowed mm-hmm. to watch. You could participate. Um, people were so friendly. Like people would just straight up come up to me and say like, would you be interesting, interested in getting tied up by me? I'd be like, oh, not right now. They'd be like, okay, have a great night. So just wow. walk away. I, That's I so cool. Sex. I was having sex while ordering a drink. I wish I could joke about that. Are you serious? Like, yeah, like while ordering a drink. They're like, do you want a drink? And I'm just like getting pounded from behind. I'm like, yeah, I can have a gin and tonic. Oh my God. <laughs> no one batted an eye. And that was wow. the sexual... That was the moment where I was like, sexual freedom is just freedom in your entire life. Mm-hmm, I have never exactly. felt so like seen and held and safe mm-hmm. than what I did in that moment. And it's crazy because like you make people feel seen, held and safe in what mm-hmm. you do as well. Like, oh, yeah, it's it's such similar. It's kind of funny because it's like. I, I, I don't know why it's so, it's so easy for me to compare all of this stuff because it's like, to me, it might be similar to like going on a yoga retreat when you're with 10 people and then everyone holds you while you cry and like release this like traumatic experience, you know, and you're like, I've never felt so seen and hurt, you know, it's like, all of this is healing work. And that's why I've been having so many like sex educators on my show, because I believe that in the same way I'm using Reiki and yoga to teach energy healing, our sexuality is energy healing. I believe that when I go into a dominant experience with the intention of love and safety and exploration and fun, I, and those, those memories come up of like these past lifetimes when I was this like awful human, I am able to literally clear that if I can stay present enough and if I can remind myself what's happening and the same when I'm receiving, you know, there's moments when I literally through orgasm, I feel like generations of women healed and it's the most overwhelming feeling ever, but it's also like, that's healing. Like, whoa, that was, you know, that was healing. And you're like, I knew, I know what that is. It's an incredible experience. That's so interesting to hear that because something I always preach is that who you are in your sexual life is who you are in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so if you're you're not touching your sexuality in any part of your healing path or just in general, Mm 
Mm-hmm. I feel like you're missing out on it's like I, I think like sexuality kind of rules everything. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like you're yeah. or through orgasm, you're healing what feels like generations of ancestry. You're accessing um, I was talking with Maddie on her podcast that orgasm is said to be like the bridge between you and higher source and God. Mm-hmm. It's like you instantly close that gap, mm-hmm. which yeah. takes other people I don't know meditation mushrooms whatever it takes for you to feel that Mm -hmm. connection get there through orgasm and you can manifest from there as well Mm -hmm. so if sexuality is something you've been pushing aside I think it's something to start considering on how do you make that part of your practice Mm -hmm. and I'd be I think a question I have for you because you're like our yoga expert is (laughs) how how does sexuality play into a yogi's life? Cause I know just, I know the teeniest, tiniest bit about Tantra. And I know that mm-hmm. living a Tantric life is a, part, a branch of yoga. Of course, mm-hmm. it's not all just about sex either, Yeah. but I'm curious to hear that because that's definitely what your audience is here for. Like how, <laughs> how do you be a sexy yogi? Thank you for asking. That is such a good question. And you know, <sighs> So we hear so much about sexual scandals in the yoga community. It's super, super common. And the reason why I think it's super, super common is that when we start activating our bodies, we start feeling things. So for example, happy baby, when you lay on your back and you open your legs and you hold your toes. Yeah. (laughs) Some people love that pose. Some people, it is the most triggering pose for, for anyone with trauma. It's the number one, most triggering pose to take because the simple act of just laying on your back and opening your legs and holding your feet open. It's, it can be so terrifying to the samskaras and the knots that we have in our body. So you'll hear, and I've heard the story from mostly men, which is so interesting is that my first yoga class, we went into happy baby at the end and I just started bawling and I was releasing like all of this shame, all of these memories, all of these things that I had repressed. And so what happens is we start Yeah, we start feeling into our bodies in a way that we haven't. We start feeling the release of these samskaras and we start feeling good. And there's tons of studies that prove that after like three months of consistent yoga practice, your libido rises, your sex drive rises, you're more flexible, you're more active. It just kind of helps you be in generally just like a better sexual active partner or being for yourself because you're so tapped in. And then we have Tantra, which when I see the, the, the tree of Tantra, like the branch of Tantra, I see it go into two branches. It goes into the Tantric Buddhist practice, which is very much, I am visualizing the Buddhas in the Yabyum above my head. I am wanting to blend the masculine and feminine energies in my body. It's a very visual practice um, that if you go far enough back, if you follow that energy far enough back, it was sexual tantra. It's called consort practice. And Tibetans are very, very secretive about it. But I'm sure you know about Margot Anand. I've definitely heard a thing or two living in this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is really, really cool because she she really got back to that, that root of where of where these tantric practices came from in like historical Tibet. So we have that lineage. Then we have the more open erotic Tantra lineage where, you know, Osho was very involved in kind of bringing that along. Margot Anand is a big Western representative of that. And that's the idea of like, I would call it a yogic practice 
uh, we call it a consort practice. So you're with your partner, you're meditating with them, and you're starting to tap into their energy. You know, any tantra practice is going to begin with like, we're sitting across from each other, just breathing in sync, or breathing in an orbit, whereas they're exhaling, I'm inhaling, I'm inhaling. And that's kind of a, a little beginner way to do it. And the idea is similar to kink, you're so aware of the sensation, the energy. And it's kind of like you're building up, you're building up, you're building up. You don't touch, you just breathe, you just get into sync with each other, into flow with each other. You slowly, slowly, you know, make your way into the process. And the intention is to experience, you know, the healing orgasm and to heal for all beings you know when i orgasm i'm doing it for all beings for all beings to be freed and to me that's as simple as it needs to get and what we see happen in the yoga community is really just people abusing their power it's as simple as that it's like when i was in my yoga teacher training did i have a crush on my yoga instructor no but if he put me in a position where I felt like he wanted me and I admire him and idolize him the way that I do, that yeah. makes me a pretty vulnerable 19 year old, you know? So it's really easy for these kinds of situations to happen. So it's almost like with yoga being such an intimate practice mm-hmm. that you, I, cause I, I think the basis of feeling safe and sexuality is feeling intimate and feeling mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. Um, and so when you do, it's like, you're way more impressionable. Mm-hmm. That that's yes. super, that's super exactly. interesting here because I I see that a lot in in the community I live in. Um, for those that don't know, I live in Tulum, in Mexico, where <laughs> yes, oh my it's, gosh, it's like Mexican Bali, right? And mm-hmm. lots of spiritual teachers, spiritual practices. But man, we have some jokes because people cannot. People really try to abuse the spirituality card to get mm-hmm. to get what they want sexually. Like for um, I think my worst story is I took one home, one of these, I call them tantric Jesuses, like the, the men, the tantric Jesus, that's such a look here. It's like, you know, they're tall, they look like Jesus. And yet they, mm-hmm. they always talk out of like this, like Tantra, like what you said about Tantra was so fucking beautiful. And then no. what these people say about Tantra, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like this, this guy was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to use a condom because it's a barrier to our spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. I'm like no 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 I was like yes exactly because I don't know you um <laughs> you're like oh we actually need the barrier <laughs> yeah, the, the barrier is needed it's you know it's also a barrier to things like syphilis or chlamydia you know it's very very useful oh useful barrier that has saved humanity for for decades at a time <laughs> um and then I think the other worst one was Oh, same guy. This was all in the same night. It was the worst experience I've ever had. He oh. went to go down on me and he just like looked at my pussy and did this like big inhale, like a, <laughs> I was like, what is going on down there? And he's like, he's like, what part of your moon cycle are you on? I'm like, all right, it's time for you to go home. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's. Oh my God. I am dying right now this is so good that kind of spiritual bypassing Mm -hmm. I I think that's where like you said in the beginning of our conversation is having a little bit of discernment Mm -hmm. with with the people 
that you are letting into your life because Mm -hmm. what you said about tantra i want to fucking explore that that Mm -hmm. sounds beautiful like you said it's along the lines of kink like the masculine the feminine the sensation the being Mm -hmm. present really beautiful stuff Mm -hmm. and it can get twisted (laughs) oh yeah yeah and that's the that's why like even in like i am in a tantric buddhist lineage and they're like don't say tantra you know because it's like become so convoluted and i have amazing teachers in thailand who have done a lot of osho trainings and they were amazing people and it's like even the followers of rajneeshi and all of these things like there's so many different misconceptions and like that's okay I think that if you find a teacher and the amount of Tantra books that I read before I found one that I could actually read, that I was like, this, this, here we go. You know, so many of them, I was just like, so many of them either start off by talking about how men don't know how to pleasure women. And it's like four chapters, just like being so hard on men, blaming men. And I'm like, I'm very bored with this. Like, I'm not learning anything from this. And then so many of them are just like, bring fruits into the bedroom, bring chocolates, bring, you know, bring candles. And it's just like, I'm bored with this. You know, it took me a while to find texts about Tantra that I resonated with. And so something that just came up for me is for anyone, like for your audience that may be exploring that, like, how does that fit into queer spaces? Cause I find that a lot of these teachings, yeah, they always talk about the man and the woman, but I tell people a lot with kink, that masculine and feminine has nothing to do with your gender. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're very much just energies. The masculine mm-hmm. being like the assertive, dominant, uh, giving, and the feminine being like that deep, creative flow, surrender. You know, there's so much that goes mm-hmm. into it. But yeah, how does that work out in these yogi oh spaces? Thank you for bringing that up seriously because I think that's where I've had the hardest time. Is that even Osho? has been um, quoted in many of his teachings that he doesn't support male and male or female and female. And he is like basically the, the basis of erotic Tantra that we have in like our historical literature. And so a lot of his disciples like Margot Anand, who I really love has come out and said, don't agree with him. You know, he's an old man. I love a lot of his teachings. I don't agree with all of them. And there's a lot of queer tantric spaces that are being built. But personally, I don't think there's enough. I could tell you all the times I tried to look for just a a lesbian tantric teacher. Just like that simple. Haven't really found much. And there's sometimes this voice that's like, okay, Jane, that's your path. And I'm like, I don't know if it's my path because I kind of need a teacher, you know, but I feel and I remember having a partner who picked up some random tantra book and brought it over and wanted to start reading it and it was so heavily hetero that she was so triggered by the first chapter that she was like fuck this and I was like no it's blend of masculine like I don't get as triggered because I'm like no like do I want to step into my masculine today or do I want to step into my feminine and like what is my partner needing and like what can we flow with there's not a man and a woman in my relationship, you know, but so many people are still very much in that duality that they can't read a, a good old text and, and allow it to apply to them as a queer person. And, and I'm sorry for that. I hope we can find more. Well, that's really interesting. And then you said the first line of Tantra was, it sounded like more of like a solo type of journey. Like you said, like blending the masculine and feminine on your own and going deeper into that. 
Yeah. I, I tell people that you can be kinky. You can be solo kinky. Mm-hmm. You really can. You getting into these spaces. I use a lot of kink in masturbation mm-hmm. to where you really like feel into those feminine or the masculine and explore the taboo on your own because the safest mm-hmm. place to explore all your weird fantasies is with yourself. <laughs> yes. No one, if you're too scared to do them with someone else, don't worry. No one has mm-hmm. to know about it when you're just doing it on your own. So that's a good way to do it and to start blending your fantasies, the energies. But it sounds like that first lineage of of Tantra is also that way. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is is. the solo feat. I am exploring Mm -hmm. these balances, these dualities myself. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit, all yogis are kinksters. (laughs) Really though, again, it brings us back to sensation. When I'm teaching my yoga classes, I'm literally like, so how does it feel to be in this pose? What does it make you feel? Like, do you feel pretty? Do you feel awkward? Do you feel ugly? You know, like, what is it doing for you? And people start to feel so much sensation in their bodies that they're like, I want more of this, you know, and it can lead to so many things. And obviously that can lead to sex. <laughs> that can lead to sex. <laughs> I had, I, I think you'd be so proud. I think I've been having a yogi awakening um, with my sexuality because I've started to practice a lot of Kundalini here. And I like Jane, I'll be the first fucking person to tell you that when someone told me you could have an energy orgasm, I was like, bullshit, because, you know, I'm like so attached to like my magic wand in my hand. Mm -hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're telling me that just with the sheer power of your mind and energy, you could have an energy orgasm. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I felt called to go to a Kundalini class by myself on like a Sunday morning. And there was two other people there. It was very, very intimate experience. And after an hour, mind you, this wasn't Kundalini activation, which I know is very different. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not gotten to that part yet, but even in just doing this one hour practice towards the end of it, I forgot what pose I had to hold, but my legs were quivering. I couldn't Mm -hmm. get them to stop. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was like a wind's wisp away from having an orgasm. Like if the wind hit my clitoris the wrong way, we are going. I, and in that moment, I remember being like, everything I know is fake. <laughs> orgasms are real. I am a snake. I don't know. Like, I had like this- <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. I couldn't like, that's, I wonder if that happens to your students. Cause my body was just shaking uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. My teacher was laughing at me. Cause you know, I think when you start shaking and you're not expecting it, what's the first thing you try to do is stop shaking. Mm. and I just looked at him and I was like I just I was like oh god and he's yeah. like there it is he's like just enjoy it just lay down just wow. enjoy it that's amazing and that's where it was I wonder if your students like have that experience because that blew my <laughs> socks off I was like what I'm so glad that you got to experience that and you know I would love to know if any of my students have experienced that because for me like it's only been in like retreat or training settings when I can access that. And so to me, like that, you just, just bopped into a class. And by the end of the hour, you're like, that's amazing. And it also shows again, when you're so tuned into the sensations, you can access that place a lot quicker. And my teacher in Thailand, he would have these certain classes where he would, it's more of like a TRE, like kind of like a trauma release therapy that he was his intention to get the body into the state where it's shaking. And it's, actually releasing trauma within the hips, within the, within the um, sacral plexus, 
all of that. And so it, it's either really scary for people or if you're really tuned in, you can feel it in a really pleasurable way like you were, which is amazing. That is some energy healing. And I think it, I think it freaked me out a little bit at first, just like anybody's like gay or kink awakening, the yoga awakening freaked me out because one of my closest friends here, you know, she, she lived, I think in an, in an Osho community back in the day. And, and, you know, in my, I was like, in my eyes, when I like thought of Osho, Kundalini, whatever, I just see a room full of naked people just fucking shaking and having their Kundalini activation. I'm like, what in the fuck is going on in there? And yeah. then all of a sudden I'm on this like dinky little yoga studio in Tulum all by myself. And I'm the only woman there and I am quivering at the knees. I was like, oh no, here we go. I was like, I'm going to be that person in the sweaty room with the rest of them. Here oh I go. God, I, like, I love it. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of the kundalini, of course, I do a lot of chakra work. That's like the basis of my work. It's like the energy spirals up your body. So when you're feeling that orgasm beginning, you can breathe the energy up your body. Or if you're in yoga and you feel your hips kind of start to shake, your thighs start to shake, maybe even your sacral starts to shake. We're going to, we want like, you can, in kundalini, you know, you can visualize the snake. There's a lot of different, in Buddhism, we like to think of like a lotus coming up and blooming at the top. pulling that energy upward that's what creates that energetic experience that you know I think a lot of us are looking for god it also it almost comes to show that maybe like sexuality isn't inherently sexual does that make sense yes yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) I was like I don't know what I'm saying the dark here Exactly. It's just sensation. And, you know, I teach this thing called um, the quantum Reiki self-healing practice. And I've never said it while I'm teaching it because I just never want to seem predatory to my all female students. But like, if you want to practice to like spiritually get into a tantric masturbation practice, doing my quantum Reiki self-healing practice, it's one hour of touching your own skin giving yourself energy healing through each chakra, through all the joints and everything. And I always joke, like if by the end of this, you're turned on and you need to turn your camera off and go like, that's great. It's that you're connected to your body. It's not that you're like, oh, I'm all turned on by this session. It's like, welcome to your body. That's how it feels. Oh my goodness. The exploration. Yeah. Wait, when are you doing that? I want to do it. <laughs> like, hold up. I haven't held that workshop in a while, but I, I will if, if it's needed. Yeah, I, I'm so, my schedule's actually super set for the next couple of months. So I've been like, I can play with some master classes and some workshops here. I think that'd be interesting. Like, yeah. oh my God, I would be, I'd be interested if you ever came out with a branch of like the kinky yogi. Ah, wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. I, okay. I could I could see it happening. The kinky yogi, and it's all about telling people basically everything they already know about themselves. It's just mm-hmm. accessing it because we have and all the answers. permission. Yeah, yeah. And I think something you do so much is yeah because I I feel like I realized in the last year I feel like I've since I was like five years old I knew I was kinky, but I think in the last like year of my life I've been like you are and it's okay. And it's cool. And we're into it, you know? And, um, 
I'm like, oh, wait, where was I going with that thought? Oh, and seeing your course, I was just telling my girlfriend this morning, I was like, check out this girl. Like I'm, I'm doing, she's on my podcast today. Like look at her blog. And she was like, you need to, you're such a kinkster. You have to buy her course. Cause my partner isn't like a huge kinkster, but she like loves that I am. So she's like, what do you got? You know, like what's there. (laughs) And so I I told her, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do her course and we can like, we can see what's there. So circling back to your kink course, what was present that you wanted to say there? No, I just, I love it because the power, the power of kink and what I like about my course is a lot of the reason I made my course, the reason I made discovering kink is because I was like, I wanted my course to be what I wish I would have had when I discovered Mm -hmm. I was kinky. Mm -hmm. Because when I discovered I was kinky, as we said earlier in the podcast, I had this moment of like, what now, what do I do with this information? Mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I process the feeling that I liked? How do I connect it to like my humanity and how do I evolve that? And usually people know they're kinky, but they don't know where to start because Mm -hmm. when you think of traditional kinky, you probably think of whips, chains, scary stuff. Mm -hmm. And then most people never embark on that journey. And so my whole goal with my kink course is not only to introduce you to kink and then the ethics of it and getting really clear on your boundaries, consent, and what your needs are and how to talk to your partner and how to talk to a partner that's not kinky, mm-hmm. not yet. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I give you my favorite part of it is I have a PDF I made in the course with 40 different ways to try being kinky. So then wow. you can decide, and then I have little stickers on the side of each one. So you can decide which ones you liked and decide what your kink is. Because how are you going to know what oh your kinks are? You don't know what the kinks mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. So you try them out. I give you examples on how to do it. Then after you're done, you can rate it. And at the end of rating them, you're like, okay, well, I found four or five things I like. And these are the things I want to start implementing. Wow. That is so cool. Because yeah, I think, um, I think even, you know, I saw that you have like kind of a beginner sex toy thing. Because I just in my ex, you know, coming out, I was just like, so excited to have like the freedom that I had that it really took me a long time to be like, wait, toys, like there's more to play with that I that I was even like, where do I begin? There's so much to choose from. And I think that, you know, as I've kind of come into my like, expression in the last year, I'm when that when you when you were announcing that your course was coming out, I was like, there we go. That's exactly (laughs) what I need. Because really, it can feel overwhelming. And the first thing I think is that like, my partner needs to figure out how to tie me up <laughs> and like do all these things. Like we have to like get all this stuff. And it's so funny because really, I think that when I, I, it just because I'm accepting this kind of label that helps me feel a little bit more clear in my sexuality doesn't mean that I have to step into the projection of what I think it is. Oh no. Like and it that- sounds like that's what your course is all about. It's like figuring it out on your own. You have to figure it out and yeah. it's not, you don't have to, that, that's the thing I try to, I tell people in the course, I'm like, just because you're kinky, like I doesn't have to freak you out because it doesn't mean you need to announce it. It doesn't mean that you need to show it. Like people think they're kinky and like they need to fucking go to Walmart wearing leather now. Yeah, like, I got to go buy some leather if this is really who I am. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, that. it's like, and on top of that, half the kinks, well, no, uh, let me rephrase that. All of the kinks, all kink is psychological. And then then what we use to, to do them, like we have tools. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know if you like bondage, bondage doesn't just mean ropes. Bondage can be as simple as your partner holding both your wrists together over your head mm-hmm. while they are doing something to you. There you go. Mm-hmm. Bondage been done. Mm-hmm. Bondage can be as simple as your partner using a pair of panties to handcuff your hands behind your back. You don't need to fucking <laughs> go buy handcuffs. Like, you don't, you don't need to put yourself in these weird situations. You don't need a dungeon. You don't need <laughs> mind you that's a that's a huge part of kink and I love that part and I participate in a lot of that part but I wanted to make my course accessible to the everyday human being Mm -hmm. it's like I'm a fucking weirdo like I've been in this space for 10 years I'm just it's like it's like I'm a fucking I'm a fucking freak I collect sex toys like this is my realm it's expected yeah the 35 year old Karen with two kids I'm it's like I'm sh- I'm sure she just wants to get spanked and have some handcuffs. I'm sh- I'm sure she doesn't need the whole get up. Yeah. And yeah. We're simple and you can make it simple and kink doesn't mm-hmm. have to be hard or scary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be something that you announce on the rooftops mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah. It's just these simple little things you get to implement and change. Mm-hmm. And surely there's things that you've already been doing. So yeah, exactly. And that's what we start to realize. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot all along. Um, oh my goodness. I'm just having the best time talking to you. You actually, I didn't even have to ask you all of my questions because you pretty much just answer them in the flow of the conversation, which is amazing. So obviously we all know about your kink course. We know about your amazing blog. How else can my people come get to know you, talk to you, be near you? I think the best way would honestly be through through Instagram, which is the the best course of action. That's where I'm the most active, the most accessible. So just add Julieta Chiara. But if not, I'm super open to emails. I'm super open to reaching out through DMs because I feel, especially as women, I feel like we need support. We need mm-hmm. insight. Mm-hmm. Best course of actions on that end. The course is there, but sexuality is so much more than just kink too. So. Mm-hmm the best spot would be simply just my Instagram or my website, which has a gajillion blogs to help with seriously almost anything you can think of. And there's still more to come because sexuality does not end. (laughs) You're never going to be done. And you guys, her web's like, your website's amazing. I wanted to tell you that I spent so much time scrolling through it this morning. Just like, this is like, a, it's gorgeous and be like, this is the mother load. Like I can, I'm going to spend so much time reading your blogs and, um, and I hope you, you get back to your, your blogging and your sharing with us, because I think that you guys, Julieta, like if you look at her Instagram, I'll just be honest, she may seem a little intimidating because <laughs> there's like velvet thrusters in every other picture and all these like amazing BDSM photos of her, but like I just want, and I'm sure that everyone can feel it in the message. Like you are so like easy, chill girlfriend. Like, I'm so sorry you've had such a hard time with women in our community because (laughs) you are such a sister, you know, like it's so easy to talk to you. You just radiate support for all women. You radiate just the essence of feminism and sisterhood. So anyone who feels like Julieta and her work could support you at all, like just say hi to her. I'm sure she'd love it. I would love that. Like I said, it's like, this is my life and sexuality is my life. So I portray a more extreme version of it, mm-hmm. but it's, we're all sexual beings. It's like your grandma's sexual, your mom is sexual, <laughs> you're sexual, your daughters to come are going to be sexual. So mm-hmm. 
you know, that's, I think that's a really beautiful part of life and something that I say often, which might sound a little, a little like bad, but I'm, you're Buddhist. So you'll get it. I'm like, there's two things that, that don't stop happening in this life. And it is sex and death. You know, mm -hmm. this is, this is our cycle. Yeah. We are we die, we fuck our entire lives. And then we'll be reborn. We fuck our entire lives. We die. We do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's the whole shebang. So, I mean, everybody's having sex, your sexual needs, whatever they are, are completely normal. Mm -hmm. And even though my portrayal is a little more out there, yours mm -hmm. are still very much valid, accessible and ready to harness. Cause mm -hmm. you're going to experience sexuality your entire life mm -hmm. and you're going to surprise yourself every freaking year. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. Wow. Thank you so much, Julieta, for your time and your energy and your wisdom. Like I just, I, I have had the best time and I think everyone's going to love this episode so much. Thank you for having me on and thank you for educating us so much on the yogi end as well. <laughs> yes. Thank you for your amazing questions. I'm, I am excited to keep on exploring what comes up and as always sharing here with the podcast and we'll definitely have you back on the show whenever it feels right to share us. Like, I wanna hear more about your adventures. We got to hear so much about the adventures of Julieta today, and that was wonderful. <laughs> the weird, the good, the bad, all of the above, but all I hope it. it's in any way, shape, and form. Yes, thank you so much for being you, my dear, and for just showing up to the planet and sh showing up for the world, sharing yourself. And to everyone listening, I hope you had an amazing day, and I love you very much.